jumping into a new series today called Powerless. That's the short version. That's like the Cliff Notes version of the title. The full version is called You're Powerless Without Him. And, uh, and, and there's going to be a thread of the Holy Spirit throughout this series. Um, and, and so this morning, though, I want to kick it off and uh, just share some things. And obviously last week... Uh, was Easter, and so we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, and, and all that that does really mean, because man, there it made so much available to us, uh, that when Jesus died, it was a game changer. If it wasn't a game changer for anybody but me, Jesus would have said it was worth it. But thankfully, it's affected a lot more people than just me. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, but I shared with you last week is that even really, how do we know the significance of resurrection is that we really have two spans of history. There's before Jesus and after Jesus, he split time in half. And so how do we live now? And last week I kind of shared with you about that. We don't really understand sometimes and maybe lose sight of what all Jesus did for us because we only know this side of the story. We've only lived in this part of the story, which is after Jesus has risen. I'm, you know, I screw up. I just ask God for forgiveness. Boom, done deal. Move on, right? That wasn't always the case. And so when Jesus came, grace came, forgiveness came, the love of God, the experience of who God is came. And and so, but, but there's so much more to living and following the Lord and walking this life with Jesus than just being saved. Like saved is a heavenly term. That's an eternal term. What about tomorrow? What about like right after resurrection? Like God still has something for us and I'm not just waiting for heaven one day. I mean, I believe that I can actually what? Experience heaven now. Not doesn't mean it's always perfect. But, I mean, that's part of the Lord's prayer. On earth as it is in heaven, right? And this is like the model prayer. Pray this way. This is Jesus, Savior of the world, creator of the universe, who said, pray this way. God, I want your will in my life the way that God wants it, as he says it should be in heaven. So I'm just coming in line and that's what he says. And so, you know, the, the truth of it is, and the reality is that the resurrection of Jesus is more than just an event to be celebrated. It's more than just something we look at and remember and be like, oh, Jesus paid the price for my sins. No, it, it's a power to actually be experienced. Experienced. Now I can tell you about different experiences in my life. And I can tell you how amazing they were. I can tell you about the adrenaline rush of certain things. But until you've done it and experienced it, you know, for a a number of years, Darren and I were youth pastors in Kansas. And I loved being there because most of those kids had never left the state. So we'd go on missions trips and they're like, I've never been to an airport. I'm like, come on, country boy, let's go. You know, they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, look forward and don't say anything, you know. And then they, you know, and we go to a foreign country with them, take them on a missions trip. And they're like, what is this? I'm like, it's dog. Just eat it and smile, you know, and their eyes get like that big. And they're like, oh my gosh. And, uh, it wasn't dog, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, so, but I, but there is, but there's something to be said about an experience, right? It's like, try to tell somebody about your favorite restaurant. And they've never been there. And you're like, oh, you don't, you, I can't even, I'm not even doing it justice. You just got to what? Experience it. You have to actually, what, experience. And so Jesus wasn't just an event, his death, burial, resurrection. It's not just an event. There's a power to be experienced. Jesus actually makes a pretty profound statement in John chapter 15. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Says those who remain in me and I in them. The key word there is remain. I told you last week as part of Easter that, that church will not get you saved. It might help you, but just coming to church does not mean that you're going to be saved. You can be really religious. And, but, and, and so, Jesus, so what I'm, the reason I say that is because Jesus said we have to remain in me. Not just I prayed a prayer one time. I've got to live with him. Like, in, like get a room. Jesus is moving in your house. He's there to stay. He's not a visitor. He's there to stay. And he says, if we, so why is this so important? He says, so 
I'm the vine, you're the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You're like, I don't know what God's called me to do. He's called you to produce some fruit. Like, well, what does that look like? That's a different conversation. Our fruit all looks different. Why? Because we're all called differently, gifted differently, wired differently. We all have different strengths and all of these things. But again, you were created to be awesome at something. And God wants you to what? Be awesome in the area that he created you. So that what? So that you would produce much fruit. Now we're going to talk about some of these things today. But Jesus makes this statement. And he says, for apart from me, so he says, you will produce much fruit if you remain in me. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate that encouragement. It's just what I came to church to hear today. Praise the Lord. But what Jesus didn't say is equally as important as what he did say. What Jesus didn't say was without me, you can't do anything. That's not what he said. He said, you could do nothing. See, the truth is, is that we can do a lot of things without God's involvement, without God's influence. We can choose to do everything without God's influence or involvement. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that you can do nothing of real value, nothing that lasts without me. You can have a great life, you can have a great family. You can have the big house. You can have all the stuff you want. But none of that stuff's going with you. And when I go to heaven, I want my life to have mattered. Like I want it to count. And I don't want to be embarrassed by the little pile of sticks that I threw Jesus' way. And he's like, well, here's your fruit. Ooh, that's like less than a Happy Meal. Not really what I'm into. See, I want to have last, real lasting impact. See, the, the reality is, is that every single one of us, we are hardwired. We want to make a difference. We want our life to count. The word that we actually get from this is actually the word transcendent. Now, let me give you the definition of this word. I know it's a big word, but it actually means to, to extend or to lie beyond the limits of ordinary existence. How many of you realize that Jesus did not save you to be ordinary, to be average, to be normal? No, he, he what? He died so that we could be extraordinary, extraordinary, to be different. So, and, and the way I would say it is, is we want our life to count. We want to matter. We want to look back at our life, not with regrets, but saying, God, I did everything I could with the time I had. That I'd squeezed out every opportunity. This is why part of our vision at the church is what? So we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to what? Discover purpose so that what? You can go make a difference. Because you're hardwired to long to make a difference. And, I, and so part of our, our goal with like discover... Is what? To help you figure out how God has wired you to make a difference. Because we want you to make an eternal difference. And so, how do we do these things? And how does this happen? In John 15, verse 5. Jesus, again, speaking. This is out of the Passion Translation. So, it's the same verse I just read to you a minute ago. It's just different translation. Somebody else's interpretation of Scripture. And he says, As you live in union with me as your source... Fruitfulness will stream from within. Now that's a key word, within. Within you. He says, but when you live, he says, um, from me or apart from me, you are powerless. You're powerless. And again, doesn't mean you can't do some things. They're just not lasting things. They're not things that are going to have a, a long-term impact and so there's this word here that I find interesting. And as I was preparing this message and reading things, and, and this word within really kind of struck a chord within me. And so as typically happens, it kind of sends me down some rabbit holes. And I start thinking of other scriptures and other principles and, and other places where I hear this word. And, and, and you'll understand why it, it began to kind of speak to my heart a little bit. But Jesus makes a statement 
In John chapter 7, and in verse 37, he says, Let everyone or anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. He says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from, there's that word again, within. Within them. So what is Jesus talking about? He says, if you're thirsty, come to me and have a drink. You're like, well, what's he talking about? And yet he goes on here and he says that what? These rivers of living water. Now, I don't know about you, but rivers of living water just sound fun to me. Like when I think of that, I'm thinking like sitting on a... uh, a donut tube floating down the river on a nice sunny day. Like it just sounds like a party and it sounds like fun. It sounds like somewhere I might want to go. I'm not sure what it means, but sign me up, right? It just sounds like a good time. So let's do it. And so he goes on here and he says, and by this, so rivers of living water, it's like, well, I have no idea what he's talking about. Jesus, why are you talking stories? That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus, we always say that Jesus was a great communicator and most people walked away going, what did he just talk about? (laughs) So maybe that's why I made him a great communicator because people had to think and be like, I don't know what I just listened to. Anyhow. So Jesus goes on, he says, and by this, he meant the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So the Holy Spirit wasn't available yet to mankind at this time. But he goes on and he says, up until that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this begs the question, has Jesus been glorified yet? If you don't know the answer, I'm going to give you a cheat code. And the answer is yes. The Bible said that Jesus, what? He was beaten, crucified, went to the grave, was resurrected. And that was not the moment that he was glorified. The Bible says he went to heaven. He came back for 40 days. He's talking to the disciples. He's showing up in places like they locked the door and Jesus is like, boo, and shows up in the room with them. Go read about Thomas. That's why I think Jesus has a sense of humor. I don't think Jesus is boring. I think he was probably a lot of fun to be with and be around. And uh, I mean, you're like, well, why do you think that kids like Jesus? If you're not a fun person, kids don't want to come around you, right? That's what I know. And kids are always coming around Jesus. And, and so here, but what happens is, is that we see that Jesus tells us, he says, hey, do not go past go. Go wait into, into Jerusalem until the one that was promised comes. Always in my mind, I like to think, and they're like, who and how are we going to know he shows up? And Jesus is like, don't worry about it, you'll know. He, he, he won't introduce himself, but you'll know. And as a matter of fact, if you really want to know, how do you know the Holy Spirit? Because he's exactly like Jesus. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's speaking? Jesus said that it'll be the, my same spirit. We, in some uh, areas of scripture, he actually calls him the spirit of Christ. See, Jesus had a physical body. Jesus can't move into my heart, but the Holy Spirit can. Now, I know I just blew some of your theology. You're like, I thought I invited Jesus to be a part of my heart. It's just a phrase. But technically, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the very life and the Spirit of God. And so it's like, man, well, hey, I want to sign up for this thing. What do I do? I just quoted you the scripture out of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus told the disciples, he says, you will receive power or ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be... That's an important word. I didn't highlight it for you, but it's a very important word. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. See, I think part of the issue sometimes with us as Christians is we do too much and we're not as mindful of being as much. We want to go do acts of service. And there's, I'm all for that. But what, about, you know, like I want to go do things to tell people that I'm going to show you the love of God. By what I do for you, I'm going to come clean up your yard. I'm going to serve you some food after a hurricane. We're going to come pull some trees off your house. All those kinds of things we want to go do. Yeah, but what about being a witness in my workplace tomorrow? See, doing is external. Being is internal. Last week, I kind of dropped the thought with you as part of my message. Is that identity and who we are 
Like who we really are is actually the greatest question we will ever answer. Because I can either identify myself according to my giftings, according to the way that God has made me, and I just say, well, this is who I am. Or, and that can be good and bad. Sometimes we look at our shortcomings and we're like, well, that's just the way I am. Okay, but now you've identified yourself by something that does not line up with God's word. Well, I'm just a failure. Well, I always screw up. Well, things never happen right for me. Well, I guess maybe one day. You get get all of these things that we tell ourselves. But there's also a very different reality too. And the Bible talks about being in Christ, which is a new identity. Paul said it this way. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who now lives in me. So I'm not just left to myself to figure it out. Why? Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing of real value. Nothing happens. See, the the truth of it is, is that salvation, Jesus dying on the cross, he did not save us so we could go do a bunch of stuff. The doing will come. It's not the most important thing. Being is the most, it's an identity thing. And, And so when we're talking about, well, the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be witnesses. So I want to, I want to share a thought with you is that we are empowered to be not just to do. We need to be first before we start doing. That's why, like, if somebody gets saved and they're newly saved, sometimes I'll tell them, you need to just come to church for six months. Yeah, but I want to I do something. Like, we got to get the devil out of you first. <laughs> I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you, though. Why? Because I used to be one. I know. And there's times that it's like, man, we just need to catch our breath. We need to let the Lord do a work in us. Why? Because I need to be before I do. Because if all, if I, if I don't understand who I am, if you don't understand who you are, your doing will wear you out. It will burn you out. I'm doing all these great things, man. I'm, I'm doing this and I'm going here and I'm going to that. I got 15 life groups I'm going to and I'm leading an outreach over here. And man, I got somebody saved in my office two days ago and got all these things. And in six months, you're like, I don't know, just kind of burn out on church. You know what happened, don't you? You lost your identity. You just kept doing. It's kind of like social media. Everybody posts their awesome stuff. And you're like, man, I want to be them. The problem is, is that that's just a picture and it's not reality. It's just a moment. Why? Because they're trying to do something to impress somebody as opposed to just enjoying their life. Let me help you out. When you go on vacation, put your phone down. Like, leave it in the room. Like, oh, but I need pictures. You need to be present. Look, and I'm as guilty as this as anybody. I need to be with my wife and I need to be with my kids. The pictures are nice, but it's not the most important thing. So we want to be, not just do. Now, here's the difference. To do things, and you can apply this across the board when we're talking into our spiritual life. To do things is hard work. It's labor. That doesn't even sound, that doesn't sound fun. It's really our effort, our goodness. To be is this, it's that we are the fruit of the tree. Now I've got a question. Do apples grow apples? What's the answer? What grows apples? Tree. Right? Jesus said, I am the vine and you're the branch. So one of the things that, that, that fruit does, like I have a lemon tree in my backyard. I don't know what to do with it, but it's there and it's got big sharp points, which I don't like. 
But it's amazing. I'm never like, are we going to get oranges this year? Am I going to get watermelons growing on the tree? Like, no, watermelons don't grow on a tree. They grow on a vine on the ground, right? No, it's a lemon tree. I've never seen a stressed out lemon. Why? Because the fruit has to trust the tree to produce. Why? Because the tree has everything in it for it to reach its full potential. So the the fruit has to trust. So if we want to develop, if we want to grow, if we want God to, to, to do something great in our hearts, guess what? We have to trust him. It's not about doing, it's about being. So we have to what? We have to learn how to yield to the Lord. To give way to him. You know, like when you go to those roundabouts, I always get annoyed when people don't interpret what a yield sign means. That means tap the brakes. Doesn't mean hit the brakes. Tap the brakes and go. Right? A number of years ago, we went and visited my sister-in-law in Australia. They took roundabouts at 50 miles an hour. It was awesome. Like two wheels. And they did it on the wrong side of the road. And I might have crossed over a little bit a couple times. It was a lot of fun, though. There's over there like white knuckling. Like, oh, my God, you're going to kill us. Let me say this another way. Is that doing is how we behave. Being is who we are. And the problem is that many times we try to monitor our behaviors and we try to measure that as spirituality. Yeah, but I don't do this and I don't do that. Well, at least I don't go over there with them. So I'm more spiritual than them. It's funny because Jesus didn't gauge people that way. He met people right in the middle of their mess and just said, hey, go and sin no more. See, Jesus is not intimidated by our failure or our missteps. He's not. I mean, have you ever had like, we'll call it a personality glitch. How about that? You ever had something about you that you're like, I got to change this. And you try really, 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 really hard to moderate and to change that behavior. And it's like, holy cow, I just keep doing this. We'll bring it over into our life with the Lord. Because if, if, if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart, he's going to challenge you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I could just never do this. You're right. You can do nothing. Except you remain in him. How does this happen? How does this work? I mean, I can remember as a kid, mind your manners. Like David, quit talking back. It's sarcasm, mom. I didn't mean it, right? She never seemed to interpret that the way I thought. Be nice, stay out of trouble, don't do this. And it's just, it's just I'm going to do the right things. We're not called to do the right things. We're called to be the right things. Very different. Another way to think about this is we do things that we have to do. Like you got that one thing around the house you just hate doing, but you got to do it. You're just like, oh my gosh, those dishes just keep on coming. Oh my gosh, it's almost tax time. I got to do my tax. I don't know anybody who likes doing taxes. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a few. I mean, I'm a numbers guy, but I don't like taxes. I don't mind the paperwork. It's the check I have to write that I don't like. (laughs) That might have something to do with that. No, it's, we want to do and and to be what we were created to be. And so the Bible is very clear and it tells us this, is that Jesus didn't die so that we would just act differently or do things differently. You know, there's an old phrase, it's like, you don't want to hang out with with girls who dip, smoke and cuss. How many of you ever heard that phrase? Nobody else ever heard that phrase? (laughs) Just me? I don't know what kind of people y'all hung out with, but uh, (laughs) never mind. 
No, man, we were what? We're called to have meaning in our life and to have purpose in our life. So Jesus didn't die so that we would just act differently. He died so that we would be made new. Right? A new creation in Christ. That's a being word. That's an active. See, be is active. Do, you go do it and it's done. Be is a progressive, constant. It's a, it's a, it's a constantly working thing that God's doing in our life. And, and Easter is more than a week. It's a life to live. And so we're not, so the Bible says, and another way of saying this is that we're called into transformation, like caterpillar, butterfly, that's transformation. You started out as this little creepy, crawly, fuzzy thing, and you come out with all these beautiful colors. That's transformation. But transformation is not intellectual pursuit. It's not, well, I need to understand God. You will never understand God. Not completely. And the moment that you think you got him pegged, he's going to change. To remind you, I am God and you are not. It's real life change. Not just, well, I'm doing my due diligence. Just making sure me and God, we're good. Now I'm going to live my life. I'll see y'all next week. See, many times we can be looking for an intellectual explanation, but what we need is an actual experience of peace. We need the presence of God. Why? Because it changes everything. Not some things. It changes everything. Everything changes with the presence of God. Now you may say, well, I'm not sure what I think about this. I would encourage you to pray this prayer. Well, I've never experienced God. Ask God to. God, reveal yourself to me. It's not a complicated prayer. It's simple. God, show me. That's how I got saved, by the way. Because I was raised in church. And I knew what I didn't like about church. I was 17 years old. I was laying in my bed. And I said, God, either you prove yourself to me or I'm never going back to church again. You got a week. It was actually four days. This is absolute facts. I'm not kidding. Four days is what I gave the Lord. I said, if you don't show up in the next four days, I will leave church and I will never dawn the door of a church. Now, I realize not all of you know me. I'm a very black and white person. When I say something, I will move heaven, earth, and hell to make sure it happens. If I say it, I absolutely mean it. And I said it with a ton of conviction. I said, God, if you prove yourself to me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. But if you don't, I'm out. And I meant it with every fiber of my being. Not one ounce of me was not serious about it. 20 plus years later, here I am. But see, God didn't play with me because I wasn't playing with God. I was serious. And I meant business when I prayed that prayer. I said, God, you show up and prove it because I don't know about all this mess. I didn't want my parents' faith. I needed my own. And it was, that was a critical moment for me. And it's been a process. And, and it was more than intellectual because I was trying to analyze and figure out and do all. And at some point, I just had to say, I just need to know if it's real. Now, I can't live based off of an experience. I live by faith and I live based on the word of God. But, man, I do love to experience the presence and the peace of God. And he absolutely will allow us to. See, the, the reality is, is that Jesus saves us, but it's our cooperation with the Holy Spirit that produces the change in us. Jesus saves us. The Holy Spirit, what? Changes us over time. There were some things when I got saved, flip a light switch, done, changed. There were other things we still working on. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, I'm, I'm in process, like under construction. Just remember but this is what I know. I've come a long ways. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm a long ways from where I was. And I'm not willing to hit the pause button. I want to keep growing and keep moving forward. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus shares this scripture. This thought to the disciples, and it's right before 
what we celebrate as Easter is right before he gets crucified. John 16, verse 7. He says, it is best for you that I go away. Again, I said earlier, that's not good news if you're the disciple. Like, wait a second. You're the guy that speaks to like blind eyes. You spit in people's face and their eyeballs grow. And like, you know, crazy things happen. Like demon-possessed people show up and you just cast the devil out and they're perfectly normal. That nut job, the madman was, you know, half naked and screaming and cutting himself. And nobody could do anything. They chained him up and you came up and just delivered him in a moment. It was powerful. Now you're telling me it's better? How is it going to be better, Jesus? Let me remind you, I was a stinky fisherman three years ago. How is it better for you to leave? And he completes the sentence and says, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. That word means an exact duplicate. Say, I want to know what Jesus is. Learn who the Holy Spirit is. He's no different. The only difference between Jesus and the Holy Spirit is a body. Jesus is still confined to a body. He has a resurrected physical body. The Holy Spirit is 100% spirit and can be everywhere at all times. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit's having multiple conversations with multiple ones of us in this room right now. Here's what I know. There's multiple sermons that get preached every Sunday. I preach one. You may hear another one. And you may hear another one, and you may hear another one, and you may hear another one. Why? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Jesus goes on and says, if I don't go away, in other words, what he says, if I don't go to the Father, if I don't return to heaven, or he says, if I do, he says, I will send him. How many of you know that Jesus cannot lie? He's perfect. And if he lied, he's not perfect. And he says, I will. Not much question here. I may not be the deepest theologian. That's obvious. But what I do believe is that the word of God does not need to be interpreted as much as we think it does. Is that the word of God is pretty clear. And it's not as complicated as sometimes as we want to make it. Doesn't mean there's not complex parts of it. But at the end of the day, it's not that complicated. God does what he says. 100%. And Jesus being a third of the person of God. He's, a, he's, he's part of the Trinity. There's the Father God. There's Jesus the Savior. There's the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they're Perfectly in unison. What's God like? Get to know the Holy Spirit. What's Jesus like? Get to know the Holy Spirit. Jesus I will send him. That word advocate there, actually, you could say it multiple ways, but it actually means one to um, come alongside to help or to aid. He's a helper. He's not a doer. We can pray and say, Holy Spirit, do this for me. I don't do. I help. I help you. I'm called alongside to help you not to go do it all for you. It's not going to happen. It also means one who gives counsel. I like this one. The divine encourager. If you're frustrated, go spend some time with the Holy Spirit. You got some angst in your heart. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to remind you who you are in Christ. He's going to remind you that, that God is living on the inside of you. Now, this is an important question that I think we all have to ask ourselves is how do I know if the Holy Spirit's actually working in my life? Like, Pastor, that all sounds great. Sign me up. But what do I do? Well, how do I know? Because there's a whole theological debate about who gets the Holy Spirit and who doesn't. I'll spare you the details. There's whole sections of the this might be the most divisive thing in the church is the person and the work of the holy spirit it really is people have strong opinions on it i mean really strong some people tell you if you don't have the holy spirit you're going to go to hell 
Even if you're saved. Like, nope, you've got to have the Holy Spirit and you better be speaking in tongues. Now, do I believe in praying in the Spirit? Absolutely. Do I do it? Every day. Do I think that praying in tongues makes me more spiritual than some of my... Um, some of my friends who may not have a heavenly language. No. As a matter of fact, I've met some of the most godly people who were not spirit-filled, and I've met some people who would profess to be spirit-filled, and I'm thinking, are you even saved? So be careful where you hang your badge. I know that's a little heavy, but I'm... The Holy Spirit did not come to us to do. He came to be. It's very different. Well, how do I know? What's the, what's the proof that the Holy Spirit's working in my life? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. It's out of the Amplified. So let me give you a little instruction here before I read this to you. There's going to be a bunch of words up here in the next few moments. So what I did was I took multiple translations. So I'm going to read the, so everything on the left here. So this is the Amplified Bible. Again, this is just an interpretation of Scripture. That's all a translation is. So it says here, the fruit of the Spirit or the result of His presence. There's that word again, within. The Holy Spirit is not external. He is internal. He's living on the inside of us. He is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of salvation on the inside of us. And it says here, the result of His presence within us is... So he's about to give us a list of stuff. If you want to know if the Holy Spirit's working in your life, here you go. Now the Passion Translation says it this way. It says the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. I don't know, a couple months ago, Pastor John was here and he had preached a message and it's coming out of Revelation chapter 12 is that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And it says they loved not their life. Right? Everything that we do as a Christian has to come motivated by love. The reality is that I can't do love. I can do works. I can do service. I can only be love to people. Because people see straight through the work and they're like, your, your heart's not actually in this. If I told my wife I loved her every day, but she knew I didn't mean it, it. I don't think I've had this lately. I think it's been a while. But she would ask me the question, be like, did you mean that? Because, you know, it's like, love you, bye. It's like flippant. And she's like, eye contact, boy. Like, <laughs> hug me like you mean it and tell me like you mean it. Like, right? Because if we're not motivated by love... The world sees right through it and they're like, oh, you're just a hypocrite. You're another one of those Christians that I know. I don't want to be another Christian. I want to be Jesus to the world around me. And I want people to experience it. So he goes on. He says, so here we go. So there's going to be a lot of words up here. But so the first one, how do you know if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart? Are you motivated by love? Now, this is a process. Nobody's getting 100% today, okay? Let me take the pressure off. Don't, don't associate a grade with this. Are we motivated by love? Another translation added, unselfish concern for others is a way to describe love. That's right there in those little, whatever you call them things, I can't think of it at the moment. You know what I'm talking about, the little. There you go, Parentheses. If I forget that, and that's the only thing I forget that I did a really good job, you know. So love, joy. Now here's one thing I know about joy is that joy is not quiet. Like some of y'all are going to be real happy in a few minutes when we start eating some food. And your volume is going to get turned up because your belly will be happy. Another place calls it this exuberance about life. Let me, I'm going to set somebody free right now. You may be saved. Some of you may need to let your face know about that. <laughs> that you're not going to hell, but you're actually going to heaven. Newsflash. Smile. It goes a long ways. Now, I know 
In some parts of the country, they're wearing masks. In some parts. The most frustrating thing about a mask is you could not see people's expression. It's like I need to exaggerate my eyebrow raise so they know that I'm like happy. Like, you can't see my mouth, but you can see my eyes. And my eyes are smiling right now. I got to get a little more twinkle in there so you know I'm happy. Right? But man, as believers, we're to what? Be exuberant about life. But the only way this is going to happen if I learn how to be a Christian. Stop trying to act like one and start being one. We ought to be the most hope-filled, joy-filled people on the planet. Because we're the only ones with peace. We're the only one that has a good scenario of how this all plays out. Oh, and by the way, the, the Bible actually lines up perfectly with history. So it's not just theory. I mean, just an example. Jesus resurrected. God told us 700 years to the T of how it would play out. There's over 300 prophecies that were spoken thousands of years before Jesus ever came about him. Where he would be born, where he would die, how things would happen, what would transpire, all of these things. All pointing to him. The Bible's not just a book. It is the word of God. It is inspired by God. And there is proof that we can have confidence that what God said is going to happen. We ought to have hope. There's a phrase that says that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, but what are we going to do about it? We need to make heaven look so appealing that people are like, I want some of that. Why are you so happy? You kind of get on my nerves a little bit with your joy, but what, what's the deal? <laughs> now, don't be weird to be weird, but we ought to be a little different. So love, joy, inner peace, or peace that subdues. We talked about that earlier. So we don't just have peace as like this passive kind of, uh, no, it subdues. The Bible tells us to what? Take every thought captive that would exalt itself against the knowledge or the word of God and bring it into what? Subjection. Make that joker submit to God. Submit to his word. So when your mind's going tilt and freak out, it's like, nope, the Bible says that peace belongs to me. I am peace. I don't just have peace. It's on the inside of me. And that's going to subdue all those worries and all those anxieties and all the fretfulness that can come. So love, joy, peace, patience. Now, unfortunately, I had to include the little parentheses of the Amplified Bible because it says, where is it? The bottom. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. Come on, Jesus. Like, leave me alone. I don't know if that bothers you. Like, that just gets underneath my skin a little bit. Like, why you got to say that? I'll wait, but it says to be happy while I wait. Well, I'm not happy about it. The Holy Spirit can help you. But I've been praying. The Holy Spirit will help you. Well, when's my breakthrough coming? The Holy Spirit's going to help you to have joy, to have peace, to have patience, kindness. What a thought. Kindness. It's actual gentleness. It means when somebody says something stupid to you, you don't just pop off at them. Sorry, I'm just becoming myself all of a sudden. <laughs> Kindness. Faithfulness. Man, we're, we're, we're full of faith. I just, that, is really, that word means that faith that, that overcomes. This is what the Holy Spirit does in us. Gentleness, which is humility. What a concept. I think we need more humility in our culture. At every level. There's enough arrogance going around and ego to go around. We need some humility. Oh, the Holy Spirit would help me to be humble. You want to know what that looks like practically? The Lord's going to say, don't say that. Right? And the last one, which this one here is a challenge for all of us, is self-control. Hallelujah. 
Pastor, we could have just skipped that one. And just yeah, The rest of it was good. Self-control. Again, the Amplified Bible adds, one who masters his desires and his passions. Hmm. It means that my spirit man is controlled, not just my desires and my fleeting moments. No, that God's working in me. The same chapter in verse 25, my last scripture for you this morning. I'm going to read this now. I'm going to read out two translations. But verse 25 says, if we claim to live by the Holy Spirit. Let me say another one. If we claim to be a Christian, we must also walk by the Spirit. The Amplified adds and says, with personal integrity and godly character and moral courage, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't do enough to be good. That's why you just have to be. You just have to be. You have to be the new creation that God has called you to. All your effort, all your work will never get you there. I'll remind you, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But here's the good news and the flip side of that is that with Jesus, you can do everything. Anything and everything. Remove all the limits. Remove all of the excuses why you can't be who God's called you to be. Just push them all to the side. Because with Jesus, you can do. I mean, Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ. Not in myself, not in my own ability, not in my efforts. No, I can do all things. I can do. I can do. For everything that you say I can't, you need to start saying I can. I can. Watch the words that come out of my mouth. I can watch the thoughts that go through my mind. I can overcome my anger. I can overcome my addiction. I can overcome. I can. I can. I can. Stop saying I can't. Stop saying it. Stop saying it. Stop saying it. Stop saying it. I can live without fear. I can live with peace. I can have joy. Why? Because that's the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Saying, yes, you can. But not by yourself. Without me, you're what? Powerless. But with me, you're powerful. It's it's a game changer. There's no way that I could serve the Lord without the help and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. I've tried many times and I've failed miserably. And until I learned this, my life never changed. Maybe for a week. Maybe two. Maybe I had good intentions. But my heart never changed. But when I learned how to yield to the Holy Spirit, everything began to shift and change. The message translation of verse 25 says, Let us make sure that we do not just hold to it, or that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out the implications in every detail of our lives. Jesus didn't save us 42% of the, t- of the way. No, he saved us wholly and completely. It's a finished deal. And it says, make sure that what we work it into every detail of our lives. See, the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to talk about these some more in the coming weeks, but it's the evidence or the effects of the Holy Spirit's influence. You're like, well, how do I do this? How, how, how do I make this happen? It's pretty simple. You become who you're around. We tell our kids that. Don't go hang out with those people. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. My dad used to say it this way, which... Y'all can joke with him today if you see him. He used to tell me this as a teenager. He's like, if you hang out with dogs, you get ticks. You get fleas. Don't be running with them. Well, there's a good side of that too. Like when I, when I spend time with the Holy Spirit, I become like him. Well, how do I do that? Like practically, what does that look like? So I'm going to give you a couple things. So I, I, I wrote it this way. It's how do I hang out with the Holy Spirit? 
Four simple things. I'm going to give them to you quick. Number one is read God's word. The Bible says that when we read God's word, the Holy Spirit will open our eyes. He's a revealer. He's the one who makes it more than words on a page. He's the one who makes it come alive in our hearts. One of the things that I, I don't do it as much anymore as I used to, but used to before I would ever read scripture, I would pray and say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you breathe upon the words upon this page that it would speak to my heart. Because I just read it and I'm like, none of this makes sense to me. How long have I been reading? Like, woo, two minutes. Golly, praise the Lord. I made it. <laughs> That's, woo, almost got it through half a chapter. He's a revealer. Number two is you worship. Earlier we were worshiping together. You're like, I don't get the whole worship thing. It's okay. You don't have to get it to, to get it. Just try it. Just try it. Why? Because as you open up your heart in worship, guess what the Holy Spirit does? He comes in and confirms God's spirit is real. That he's alive. That Jesus is more than just a, a, a side note of history. That was my prayer in bed. God, confirm. Make it real to me. Number three, be active in the church. I know I've been hitting y'all with this for two months now. Be active in the church. Serve. Go to a group. Be involved. Don't just slip in after we start and slip out right before we end because I'm going to catch you on your way out anyways because I get out there first. <laughs> Side note. No, when I, when I, when I understand being... It's not a burden because the Holy Spirit's a joy giver. He'll give me joy when I activate in my gifts and, and I'm being who God's called me to be. I'm not just doing, now I'm being. And there's a huge difference. The fourth one, last one, is to make prayer a regular part of your life. That doesn't mean pray long prayers. It just means be mindful, like regularly. Just pray. What do I say? Whatever you have in your heart. It may be a moment. Maybe a few moments. It's fine. Just acknowledge God. And I told you this earlier. Is to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, your, to reveal himself to you. To say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that the Bible says that you speak. And so I'm just going to declare it. When you speak, I'm listening. I'm listening for your voice. In my own life, what I have found is that many times when I'm praying, God doesn't always speak. But it's after that. Maybe I'm mowing the grass. Maybe I go to the fridge. Maybe I'm driving. And all of a sudden, just a thought comes. And I know in my heart it's from the Lord. And I can't tell you how many times that God has used those moments to be powerful in my life.